Hi, my name is Andre Brisson, and I'm ADHD entrepreneur, diagnosed about four or five years ago, uh, severe ADHD. I own an engineering consulting company and currently working on developing a coaching company to help other ADHD entrepreneurs succeed in life. And I've been involved with Kadak for a couple of years now, helping advocate for the adult ADHD, especially the uh, the, the successful, gifted um, person who is also often overlooked in uh, the ADHD world and within society in general. We've always been told that you're too successful, you do too well at school to have ADHD, you're just not trying enough, or you're just finding reasons to be lazy. When were you first diagnosed with ADHD? Um, I was diagnosed at the age of 44 um, after a very tumultuous four or five years of my life, which I call my life tempest, where I lost my first company, got into a very bad partnership. Um, and that's when my ADHD symptoms overtook me and controlled me for a couple of years and made uh, living with me very, very difficult, made me very difficult to work with, lost clients and lost uh, business around it. And I knew deep down inside that was not me. Um, that was having all this emotional dysregulation. I was confused and it was not good for my kids. So I decided to go get help and I got diagnosed with ADHD. Um, in grade school and high school, I was overlooked for ADHD because of I was doing well as on the honors list. I'm very successful. Even my GP to this day still says to me, I don't believe you have ADHD because you're very successful. But the psychiatrist that you got your diagnosis from, I highly respect, therefore I accept it. So as a child, the way I felt with my undiagnosed ADHD was I do not operate or see things or do things the way everyone else does. I was an outcast, an outsider. I was ridiculed for doing things differently. So that really helped my self-confidence thinking and believing that something wasn't right. I could never do it the same way as other people did. So like even with work-related stuff, if I did things, jobs, tasks, projects, the way everyone else does, I never did well. But when I did it my way, the way that's natural for me, I always succeeded well and I can actually get it done quick. And that threw off a lot of people. So there's a lot of isolation I'm always wondering if I'm doing the right thing or not, not quite understanding that it was my ADHD that made me a little bit different and that people can accept cannot accept differences outside of the norms or what everyone else is like playing with kids. I don't play the same way. I got a different creativity. I got a different imagination and it made it very tough to be part of different crowds. My hyperactivity physically and my impulsivity verbally made it very awkward for social parties. So I wasn't invited a lot to uh, kids gatherings or other kids uh, birthday parties. Um, and always excluded in groups that <clears throat> if they had to be serious, quote unquote. Um, and it just turned out this is from board. My hyperactivity ramps up and my impulsivity ramps up. What are some of the biggest obstacles you have faced because of your ADHD? Um, the isolation added to life's obstacles, just having that 
not understanding or comprehending why you were not part of the crowd or why you were not accepted. That was really hard on the soul. Um, and then being gifted and being uh, academically uh, successful, it's, it's like my intellectual mind is saying, hey, this is making no sense what's going on, or it is making sense what's going on, but my emotional maturity was lagging behind at the same time. So that inner conflict made it a lot more difficult. Intellectually should be okay or not okay. And then emotionally is like, I'm not quite there yet, not understanding. So that, that back and forth made it very difficult. So everything's internalized. Um, and there's a lot of inter, internal conversation with myself since no one else was around. Um, but even within my, my family, them not understanding that my brain is wired differently, the conversations we had, it's just, oh, it doesn't make sense, just, you know, suck it up or accept the feelings, you know, or you deserved it. That was my favorite one. You deserve to be told to be quiet. You were told you deserve to get this kind of reprimand because of this unknown ADHD. And then you're looking at yourself deep down inside as everyone's telling you that you're broken or that you're not correct and but at the same time you know that that's not what happened that's not what I meant and I have this with my children right now is like impulsively I will react I will impulsively say something and then immediately when it comes out of my mouth I know what I did wrong I know what I said was wrong so I don't need to be told that I don't need to be ridiculed or yelled at for something I know that what I did was wrong but people have this misconception of I don't know what I did was wrong. I have to be told. And, and that gets hardening. And then it means to you, want to be hard to yourself. So the next time you let it slip out, you now see, it's like, oh man, I didn't do it right. And it just, that negative rumination comes over. You're not good. You're not good. So that external not good talk becomes my internal not good talk. Do that for 40 years. And it becomes a, a skipping record that you just can't get out of your head. After receiving a diagnosis and treatment, what were your thoughts? At the beginning, I actually went to a psychiatrist to prove it was not ADHD. I thought there was something worse wrong with me that needed fixing. So I thought something severe needed to be fixed in me, and then it turned out to be ADHD. Then once I accepted that diagnosis, because it took a while, just grieving, and I argued it, even though we started medication. So it was hard for the medication to take hold if I didn't really believe in the diagnosis. Then once I accepted the diagnosis, now I was in a better space to start <clears throat> succeeding from the medication. So a lot of medication I was taking was actually to settle me down, calm me down so I can have time to think things through. I did cognitive behavioral therapy, CBD, CBT. I did a, quite a few group therapies on various topics like leisure, taking leisure time, anger management, um, and a couple other things that's relating. I can't think off the top of my head, but those were the main ones. And now I'm in dialectical behavioral therapy, which is called DBT, which is a basis. It's CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy is the basis, <clears throat> but there's some mindfulness applied to it with tools to deal with various aspects of like uh, interpersonal effectiveness, distress tolerance, mindfulness, and emotional regulation. Um, those were all very beneficial. Um, try different medications. Um, for me, 
the medication isn't working as well as other people have experienced. So we're still experiencing with that. Um, but in the end, it comes down to, well, like to say, pills don't build skills. So medication is one part of the treatment. Uh, therapy is the second part of the treatment, but the most important one, and a lot of them speak of it, the third one is education. Educate yourself about the ADHD, what it does, and understand it. And with that education, you gain awareness. And if you want to do something with that knowledge, with the awareness, you can succeed. Have CADAC's resources been helpful for your ADHD? When I first got diagnosed with ADHD, I'm a researcher. I get down deep. I did a lot of research. I've read, I don't know, 15, 15, 30 books. I'm not including everything online. Um, and I came across Kadak website. And so when then when I found that website, I saw that there was a conference in Toronto, which is not far from me. So I decided I'm going to go to that conference and learn some more. Um, so I signed up for the conference. I showed up to the conference and it was at a hall. So it wasn't at the Kadak offices, it was in a different hall. But right when I walked in through those doors, I just knew I belong here. I just knew I wasn't going to be outcast. I just knew that this was my place to be. That was even before talking to the front table, went into the room. Yes, there was a lot of non-ADHD people in the room, but they all understood. And you just, I knew I didn't have to justify or explain anything. And that was the first time in my whole life I was able to be somewhere and not have to feel like I had to justify or be on edge or be prepared in case. Um, and those two of the best days I've ever had talking with other people at HD, talking with other healthcare professionals, nurses, teachers, and just sharing our experiences and understanding and learning more about ourselves. Was, it was fantastic. How has your experience been in the workplace? When I started part-time work in high school, um, I actually got in a lot of trouble with current, uh, with, with fellow employees because when I was given a task, I did it. I just went and did it. Um, I didn't like to waste time because being physically hyperactive, I didn't like to sit idle. So I always did something. There was nothing to do. I'd find something. And then a lot of the employees were relatively my own age. Well, I was always doing more and thought I was, a, you know, trying to be, be impressive to my manager to make everyone look bad, but it had nothing to do with that. It's just I needed to keep busy. If I got bored, that's when I got into trouble. Um, like for the grocery stores, I just, you know, if the cooler was a mess, I go, if there's nothing else to do, I go reorganize and clean up the cooler. Sometimes I do it two, three times a shift, an eight hour shift, but I just needed to keep going. Um, when I was working in a restaurant, it was actually kind of neat. When it was busy, I was on fire. I can take care of three different stations and take care of the orders. But once we got slow, then I started to talk more. Then I'd be told to be quiet more. And then my humor is not well understood until you get to know me. So I was getting a lot of trouble for saying, like I'm very sarcastic and very dry. So a lot of people mistook that. So I had a lot of chit chats with my, my manager, my boss, that I'm being rude. And when someone asks you to do something, just be quiet and do it. Well, things I always did it. I was just being misunderstood. Um, so a lot of times it was very difficult to work with me, according to other people, because I would just do stuff. Or if they didn't want to do something, I would just do it anyways. Um, 
when I got into work terms for university, I actually gotten, was told I'd be working too fast um, compared to other people that were working there. Um, be careful what you say when there's management around or if there's certain different people. Because like for me, it doesn't matter if you're my superior or whatnot. If I got a question, I want to ask it. If it doesn't make sense to me, I've always challenged authority. If the, you know, if, you know, hypocrisy is a big thing. So it didn't really bother to me who I was asking the question. I always do it nicely and diplomatically, but there's just some things you're not supposed to. Um, and then when I had my first full-time engineering job, the one thing they could not comprehend was my intensity, my drive to just get things done and not slow down and how I can work endless hours and for so many days and so many weeks and not get extremely uh, fatigued or burnt out. Um, and if I got onto a project and I was all in, I would just get it done and I would do nothing but. So again, delivering things quickly got me in trouble. Delivering things way too slow because I didn't enjoy it and it was boring, I got in trouble. Um, so there's a lot of that mis misconception or misunderstanding of my intent versus what my brain needed to do. Um, and then when I started my own engineering company, because I wanted to create a work environment that I can fit in, um, it was still a little bit difficult. It was a better environment, but still a lot of clients never understood the way I worked or how my brain was required to work. And then with working with staff, I would, I'm impatient because they're working too slow, what I thought was too slow, but they were working at pretty fast for the neurotypical world but I just didn't see that difference until now I know what I know um, now it's like what would take me two hours it takes someone else six hours that's the way it is so now it's like I delegate it I walk away and if I gotta do something quickly my brain gets fired and I can get it done quick a lot of it has to do with experience but at the same time the intensity the drive and that hyper focus aspect throws people off they don't understand it, they don't comprehend it, and they always put a negative connotation to it, and a lot of people feel threatened by it. But all I want to do is work, get the job done, so I can get on to the next thing. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about ADHD? A lot of the, the biggest misconceptions of having ADHD is that you're impatient, um, you don't care what other people think, you just say whatever you want, uh, you have no filter, which actually there is a neuro neurobiological truth to that. Um, some people are called lazy, stupid. Um, uh, the big one for me is when you care, you care. When you don't, you don't. And in reality, that's true. Either I'm all in or all out, yet I'm judged by the not being involved. Like the halfway things, like I have a hard time between the extremes. It's hard for me to be in the middle. And I just, it's very hard. Um, so you get accused of not caring, or you only, you're selfish because you only care about the stuff you really want to get involved with. And when you hear that over and over, especially as a kid, or especially when you want to do something, and all the other kids don't want to do it. Well, now it's like, you never want to do what I do. And then we only got to do what you do. And of course, I'm going to overreact. I'm going to get upset and emotional about it. And then being ADHD, it comes out loud and proud. Like just, it comes out disruptive. Um, and then being shown as being moody, sensitive, um, 
uh, yeah, moody, sensitive, and overly emotional, um, and then being uh, judged about that um, was very hard. But now that I understand that I feel emotions a thousand times more than anyone else, that was validating to me. And you know what? I'm being emotional because you, something happened triggered. Like, why don't we look at that part of why did you upset the person and versus just dealing with the reaction? Actually, you know what, Ross? I think the biggest part of ADHD is that we are judged by our reactions and it's never looked at what was the causation of that reaction. Since the reaction was big and explosive, that was the easy target not at the fact that someone just poked and prodded you for two hours and then now you're being deemed an emotional wreck or, in, or impatient because you just took two hours of needling, right? So that'd be the biggest one. How do you feel ADHD has benefited your life? My hyperactivity always requires me to be on the go, 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 go. So I'm out on the field, I'm talking to clients, I'm always actively doing something and pushing, pushing the envelope or pushing the team. Before I was over pushing it, but now I know I can have hold back a little bit to pushing, but it's always go, go, go mentality. My hyperactivity and my ability for environment scanning, having I have to keep looking all over the place. That helps me a great deal in the construction field as an engineer to sort out and see problems and see solutions and how my, my brain works randomly and then asking random questions to come to the right solution where people have never thought of looking at it that way. It's my ADHD brain that makes me very successful as an, as an entrepreneurial engineer solving complex problems. So the one thing that we've, we're really known for the engineering company is that we solve problems that other people give up on right? It doesn't make sense. It's challenging. It's novel. It's going to be new. And no one, and everyone says, no, it can't be done. So that's a big challenge to think differently and, and come up with, with unique stuff. Um, also having the ability to have, to me, when I'm bored, I get bored easily. So I got to find something different to do. That also helped me to move, right? I learned one thing, I'm bored once I figured out how to do it. So I was able to expand my knowledge base as an engineer or even personal hobbies. I've got a wide range of knowledge that other people consider me an expert in because I'm bored with what I figured out before so I can go on something else. And having that broad range of knowledge, I'm able to interplay that with all different types of problems. And you know, what was the solution in this industry is another solution for that industry. And to bring that all together, is, I think, is one of my major my major abilities to be successful as an entrepreneur has been ADHD related, but a lot of my big challenges and problems created in entrepreneurial life has been because of my undiagnosed ADHD. What do you want people watching to know about your ADHD? Well, my ADHD is my ADHD. There's no one out there like me who has my ADHD. And that makes me unique. Um, so I have a unique set of skills. I have a unique set of strengths that sets me different from everyone. And there is value for what I do, how I do it, the way I do it out there. You have the value too in your own unique way of doing things because of your ADHD and your experience. And identify that, build your environment, structure, so you succeed and manage those symptoms so that they're your strengths and it can't be done.
You just got to advocate for it and find the right place for it.